to Real Estate Coaching Radio, America's number one trusted resource for realtors who demand authentic, real-time coaching. Starring award-winning real estate coaches Tim and Julie Harris. Get ready for unfiltered, full-strength honesty about what is truly working to get you into action and make you money in this new real estate boom. Now to our hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. And welcome back to Real Estate Coaching Radio, and we are broadcasting from a surprisingly, and I'm sorry to say this for all of our friends that are enjoying the nice long winter, but beautiful Austin, Texas, not a cloud in the sky, and we are so much looking forward to completing the radio show that we started for you last week, and the topic of the radio show, Ms. Julie, is? All right, it is how to create inventory where you don't think that there is any, and why is that? Because it's one of the most common things that we're hearing as coaches today. Well, on the buyer side, I seem to be getting outbid constantly. There's not enough to go around for my buyers. And on the listing end, some of you guys are experiencing dwindling listing inventories, both yourself as well as in your market. So we're getting in front of that with these calls, how to find inventory where it doesn't seem like there is any. And guys, last time we did this, it was last uh, Thursday, we, were, uh, we did the first part of this radio show. So we're going to jump right back in. But if you want to go back and listen to the first part, I strongly encourage you to do so. The thing is, is that will this uh, lack of inventory last? Uh, it depends on your individual market, of course, but I would assume that it won't for all the reasons that we discussed on that previous uh, radio show. Just to hit the high points, we're going to see a lot of inventory uh, being finally, uh, essentially foreclosures are going to start happening again. You guys are already seeing an increase in notice of defaults. If you think that's not affecting your market, uh, you're probably wrong. So I would definitely suggest you look into that. Lots of folks who are also coming out of loan mods, and their loan mods are going to mod to a payment that they can no longer afford. The next reason that you're going to see more inventory coming for sale, and this is, a, you know, a, the first two are kind of the bad reason, and the second reason, third reason rather, is that there's a lot of people that are coming back in the market. Um, our friend Jonathan Smoke, who's the chief economist for uh, Realtor.com, you guys heard him talk about the fact that he too thinks that's going to be essentially a, a real true resurgence in the market. All, you know, he had a, uh, an economist term for it, but let's just call them back in the markets or, you know, a lot of these folks had lost their houses to foreclosure or short sale. Um, and, yeah, those people are now essentially going to be able to purchase again. And then the other thing, again, this is Jonathan Smoke. Uh, he did a lot of study on this, too, is we're finally seeing the, um, you know, Generation Y uh, starting their family formation starting to purchase homes. And that's going to happen in a big, meaningful way at least for the next 10 years, at least for the next 10 years. And, of course, you have baby boomers that are downsizing. So the reality of it is, is this lack of inventory that we're currently experiencing, it's not going to last. We're going to see the pendulum start to swing back in favor of buyers. Obviously, uh, I don't think it's going to overcorrect, to be honest with you. I think we'll have a nice equilibrium balance in most major markets. And, of course, there will be some markets where there, frankly, is just plain old lack of inventory. And, you know, Julie and I, we were talking about this with some of our coaches. So the craziest markets that you would never think that have lack of inventory, markets that, you know, are always on the list of, you know, hardest hit foreclosure markets where there's the most homes for sale or things take years and years to sell. And now some of those are the very markets where there's no inventory for sale. So, you know, guys, getting back to the pendulum analogy, it certainly has tilted back towards sellers. And I think, you know, I think all of us, you know, it's, it's nice that the sellers have an opportunity to rebuild equity, which, by the way, is the sixth reason that I don't think this um, very heavily slated the seller's market is going to last. 
is because a lot of folks have the equity in their houses again to sell, and you know that's exactly what they're going to do. So again, go back and listen to that previous radio show, um, and it gives you, a, again, we're going to pick up where we left off, but it's going to give you a specific strategy on what you can be doing to create inventory, even though it feels like there isn't any right now for you to sell. So Jules, any other thoughts for you? And we'll just jump right back into our next point. No, I, I think this starts, as these guys are considering what's happening, it starts with being really tuned in to your own personal market. And that can mean several different things. You know, that you can have your big marketplace, your your overall city or town, and then you have little micro markets too. I remember even in, you know, Columbus, we had average sales, average days in the market for most of the town was 180. And then there were little pockets of Clintonville where sellers would have a heart attack if it wasn't sold in seven days. That's right. So, you know, yep. just because it's one stat doesn't necessarily mean that it applies to everything. Some of you guys are really focused on smaller areas. Some of you work your entire town. So make sure that you are looking at your data and you know exactly what's happening. Um, usually you'll feel it as both a buyer's agent and a listing agent, but ignoring it, to me, you know, not knowing what's happening in your own marketplace with list-to-sell price ratios and days on the market and all that stuff, it's kind of doing malpractice not to know that stuff. So I think well, this call kind yeah. of starts with that fact, know what's happening. You know what, Julie, you just inspired an idea. Why don't we do a radio show um, around – uh, the stats you must know at, at all times, like your own. I mean, the MLS turns out a hot yep. sheet, but I think a lot of times agents don't really know how to translate that information. So we should probably do a radio Write show on pertinent information. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pertinent information you need to have at all times. Oh, by the way, before we get to our next point, and Jules, I'm sure you're going to pick up wherever we left off, that we have to uh, let all of our students know that we have a, upon, you know, you guys are asking for it, and we finally have done it, a Facebook group. It's a closed group. It's only for our students. If you um, go to Facebook and you just do a search for Tim and Julie Harris, we have a personal page. We have a business page. There's one for Harris Real State University. Look for the one that says closed group and just request uh, admission to that group. But also we've sent you all invitations. It came from our corporate email. So look for that and obviously get into, uh, into that group. It's going to be – it already is. Something is pretty cool. I'm really thrilled with how collaborative um, – especially some of our grizzled veteran uh, coaching clients have been. And all of our coaches are going to be participating on the Facebook group too. So you guys can get to know all of our other coaches personally, aside from just Julia and myself. So it's a lot of fun. I'm actually uh, kind of kicking myself for not having done it sooner. So Jules, next point. Yes, and I'm trying to remember exactly which point we left off on. I believe we have talked about expireds for sale by owners, professional networking, professional listing referrals, and we are on to for rent by owners. But correct me if you are at a different point. Nope, that's what I was remembering too. And also I want to just throw in, if you guys are, again, a fun conversation to have with someone who's shopping us, and they'll say typical things like, well, there's no expireds in my market or there's no FISBOs in my market. And then I asked you guys to log into your MLS, and I asked you to look to see actually how many expireds there were. Even in markets where there feels like there's an inventory shortage, the number of expireds is going through the roof. Don't start convincing yourself that there's something wrong with those houses. The fact is is they're expired because it was the winter, and now those guys are coming for available again as, as prospects for you, as possible listings for you. Uh, oftentimes, and any grizzled veteran will tell you this, the best expired is going to be one that's been through two or three different agents for a whole host of reasons. But you just realize those, and you put them in the MLS for the fresh MLS number, fresh pictures, fresh description. Sometimes uh, they'll sell 
for the old price. In other words, they'll sell without even having to do a price change, especially in a market yep. like this where there feels to be an inventory shortage. If you are serious about becoming a listing agent, which hopefully all of you are, one of the absolute mandatory required tools that you must have is mojosells.com. So it doesn't matter. I mean, any market, anywhere in the country, unless there's some real compelling reason why you just don't want to work with expires or for sale by owners, that's one of the basic spokes, most critical spokes that we put on your lead generation wheel first. Um, and, you know, not not for everybody. Granted, some people won't do it. They just want to focus on their centers of influence or they want to focus on a geographic farm or whatever. I mean, that's fine. But for the vast majority of you, the very fundamental first spoke that all of our coaches are going to uh, do our best to coerce you to do is <laughs> calling FISBOs and expireds, and there's no better tool out there for going after the expireds and mojo sells. So, Julie, what's the next point for rent by owners? All right, perfect. So the next point is for rent by owners. This is one of my favorite categories for two reasons. Number one, their phone numbers are there, so you guys can't complain about that. And number two is that hardly anyone prospects for rent by owners. So who is a for rent by owner? A lot of them are reluctant landlords, you know, they moved out, and the reason it's a rental is because they couldn't get their price back in the recession, but they could afford to keep it. You know, they really didn't want to be a landlord, so maybe now it's time to sell it. But it's anybody with either a single-family home or condo-type situation where they have an ad in Craigslist in your local paper, maybe online, maybe even on Zillow or something like that, where it's home for rent by the owner. Not by a management company, but you're going to be talking directly with the owner. So how do you find them? Again, Craigslist, classified ads, et cetera, not hard to find for rent by owners. So this is also maybe a third reason why I love them is that it's an easy script. Introduce yourself, ask if the home is still available. If it is still for rent, simply ask if they, are, if they have considered selling the home versus trying to continue to rent it. So now, many of them have no idea what their home is worth in today's market. So when they learn what their home is now worth, they may be reinterested in selling it. Again, a very little prospected category of people. Phone numbers are not a problem, and the script is easy. It's very businesslike. And those of you who are not strong prospectors, for whatever reason you have not uh, conquered that yet, for rent by owners actually are a pretty nice way to start because it's a non-complicated script. You're going to get two, one of two answers. No, I'm going to keep it forever. It's part of my legacy to my kids. They'll inherit this property. Or number two, well, I don't know, I might want to sell it. What kind of price do you think you could get in today's market? That's your clue to close them on a free CMA, meet them, tell them what you think you can get for it, and then they can make the right decision. Does that make sense, Tim? Am I undercomplicating this? Or <laughs> well, okay, so, well, people are going to say, well, Tim, Julie, you totally sold me on the idea of doing this. What do I do now? Go to property records and look to see all the addresses where uh, all the homes where the tax bill is being sent to a different address other than the subject address. Surefire sign that that is um, a rented property. Look for the ones, the ones that are always going to be the ones that are most likely to list with you are the ones where you'll see the owner only, only owning one or two properties. Nobody decides to be a property investor and only buys one rental. You guys notice that? You know, right. they're like potato chips. You either you either have none or you have like 20. Very rarely. So if you see one person owning one property and they're no longer living in the property, guaranteed they got stuck with it and they will happily list that property with you if you call them. Another suggestion, we told, started telling you guys about this 10 years ago, 
if you're not saying, you know, Tim and Julie Harris real estate and management, you're missing a huge segment of the market for the exact reason. Some of the most uh, successful agents during the, you know, depression, recession, and the, the ones that are still successful are the ones that were able to go on listing appointments. Sellers were underwater, especially in upper end, guys. Those of you who are listening who are selling, you know, five, six, ten million dollar properties, this is still relevant for you. Those sellers oftentimes don't really have a have to because they frankly are rich and they have other properties, and they have other assets. But if you went in there and said, Mr. Seller, it's going to be worth this, which means you're going to lose that, they're going to say, okay, Mr. Realtor, get out my door. But if you're saying I can offer management as well, not only will you obviously have an opportunity, well, you'll get the management contract, but then you'll obviously get an opportunity to put the place for sale back when the market corrects or the seller gets sick of being a landlord or they decide they want to sell their estate and buy something else. You guys get it? So start throwing and management underneath every single um, logo, email, phone number, voicemail. Uh, and just by saying and manage, you'll, management, you'll start attracting opportunities uh, to yourself that you otherwise didn't. Definitely a no-brainer idea in any market. And as Julie alluded to, getting management clients is vastly easier than getting sale contracts, um, you know, listing contracts. Uh, I, those folks that have built property management businesses who I'm personally coaching and our co other coaches are coaching, we're having those guys call into their property management clients and they're picking up listings left and right. Now, okay, you don't have management clients, you like this idea, call your local property manager. Uh, not a lot of them, you'll be surprised when I tell you this, but not all of them list and sell real estate. They just do management, okay? A simple, interesting fact. So maybe you call them up, you get some uh, alliances going, some relationships going, where you'll pay a referral fee for the uh, you know business that, that you take from that. You can work out all kinds of creative things. The reality of it is, though, there is not there might be a shortage of homes for sale in the MLS, but there's not a shortage of folks that would like to sell. And the next point, um, you know, this point eleven is just a quick point because and I'll cover point twelve too, Julie, since they're kind of the same. Sure. Point 11, guys, in your market, if there are REO agents, obviously there's going to be REO agents with lots of pocket listings. That's one of the things that I think REO agents have been notorious for. Uh, so call up the REO agents. In some markets, there are no REOs. In some markets, you don't even know what I'm talking about, and that's perfectly fine. But if there is any distressed property, make sure you are going to the MLS, finding out who the listing agents are, befriending them, and finding out if they have anything coming up for sale and pre-marketing that you might have a shot at. All right, now the next point, point number 12. This one's kind of interesting, working with investors. Now, I'm going to give you guys an idea, and this works, but it's kind of complicated. So investors, there's the obvious answer of, you know, the fireman that's flipping a house, okay? Then there's, you know, you guys know when you take a property that's priced well, uh, in most markets, you're going to have investors beating the door down. They're almost always the first calls that you get. So scale that idea. How many of you have in your marketplace these we buy ugly houses uh, guys? There's tons of them, right? And now I think there's um, there's got to be, truthfully, at least six different online companies that lead generate and sell the leads. Essentially, We Buy Ugly Houses does what Zillow does. They generate leads, and they sell the leads back to um, the license holders. So if you're in Columbus, Ohio, or if you're in Austin, Texas, or wherever, you pay for a license for We Buy Ugly Houses, and then you pay a monthly fee. And it's not cheap, uh, but you pay a monthly fee, and then they essentially online lead generate for you, and they send you these folks that are at least you know, partially raising their hands saying that I would sell my house if I could sell it in a hurry, and then you go out there as a We Buy uh, Ugly Houses 
license holder and you try to essentially make an offer on the house that you know is usually far below market value, blah, blah, blah. Now, I'm not suggesting you do that, though I know a lot of you do. What I am suggesting, and this is where it gets interesting, is you identify, and I just told you one, we buy ugly houses, but there's a lot of others, you identify the other companies that are operating in your marketplace doing something very similar. You find out who the license holders are. Now, I know some of my coaching clients are going to be <laughs> they're shooting me uh, evil thoughts right now because I'm giving away one of their secrets for lead generation, but here goes. Um, you find out who the license holders are, and you call them up and you say, you know, hey, I'm Tim Harris with ABC Realty. Um, you know, you are a We Buy Houses, Ugly Houses uh, licensee holder. I understand, and statistically, guys, the way it works is that maybe for every 20 leads these guys get, maybe they were able to put one deal together. So that's 19 sellers, 19 people that showed an interest in being a motivated seller that these guys weren't able to do business with. Why? Because the seller said, well, that's usually it's, you know, I want more money out of the house, numbers don't make sense. Whatever, whatever, whatever. There's all kinds of reasons. But that's 19 prospective seller leads that you guys could be getting from these license holders of the, you know, like I said, We Buy Ugly Houses is probably one of, you know, four to six, maybe even ten, depending on how big your market are market is. How do you find out who they are? Call the ad and see who calls you back and strike the relationship. Simple. Now, the way these guys work is they divide the city up in territories so they don't overlap. So even though the phone number is the same for across town, um, it's a different person has that license holder. But if you befriend one of them, then they'll flip. Uh, they'll connect you with the others. Now the question is: Is do these guys have real estate licenses? Usually they do, so you can pay them a referral fee. Next question would be: Tim, why don't they work these de- deals themselves? I, I found, with almost an exception, that people that are considering themselves investors, strictly investors, wholesalers, you guys know all about that, or most of you do, or maybe that's another radio show we should do. Write that one down, Jules. Mm-hmm. Um, what happens is they don't want to work the retail side of the business. They don't want to work uh, and do the, you know, the actual realtor side of the business. And oftentimes they actually don't even like the R into the business, and that's perfectly fine. So befriend them, align yourself with them, start getting referrals from them. So there's another powerful source. Jules, what's point number 13? All right, perfect. Point number 13 is move up buyers who have homes to sell some of whom might be your past clients that hopefully you're communicating with regularly. So you can run ads for move-up types of listings, kind of like a wanted ad, but you're being very targeted about this. Many of you are hearing the objection, I would list with you today. I appreciate the fact that my home is worth more than I thought it was or worth more than it was a few years ago last time I talked to you, but where am I going to move to? So have them write down exactly what they're looking for and actually advertise for that wanted your home for my well-qualified, highly motivated you know, buyer with flexible closing date. So actually run ads. Normally we run ads for our listings, but run ads for your buyers. What are they looking for? So young, relocating executive couple seeks three-bedroom, two-bath in the XYZ neighborhood with ABC schools, private backyard a plus. If your home meets their needs, call me today. We may have a match that type of advertising for your move-up buyers because guess what? When they're move-up buyers, you get a listing as a bonus to finding them what they want to buy. So that kind of covers two things, Tim. It's finding buyers, uh, finding homes for your buyers that aren't yet on the market but also supplies you with a listing for your listing inventory. So I kind of like, like that what, one. That's both sides. Go ahead. 
And like Julie touched on, if you don't have any actual inventory, if you don't have homes for sale, um, ask to borrow listings from the other agents in your office. You know, maybe they have some sweet listings that are the perfect, you know, move up buyer price range. And like Julie said, ask to uh, feature one of those houses. And, you know, it could be all Craigslist ad. It could be all kinds of different things. Uh, be more, maybe you do an open house. Ooh, boo, hiss, open house. But yeah, in some markets, and we have coaching clients, top producers who are making hundreds of thousands of dollars a year who that use open houses as one of their primary spokes in their lead generation wheel. So it's, you know, don't just rule things out just because you read online or went to some real estate conference and all these know-it-all realtors were, you know, bemoaning this particular idea. Don't be that short-sighted. Look to see what works in your market and don't assume that works and other markets will work in yours. All right, Jules. So next point is um, use 800-HOME-HOTLINE. So 800homehotline.com, you guys just look this up on your own, is a killer way to not uh, only, um, you know, frankly, uh, get a listing. It's a great listing tool. That's its primary purpose. But it's also a, t- a great way to take more listings. So you, let's assume, worst case, you don't have any listings. I'm going to walk you through how 800homehotline.com works. So let's assume, worst case, you don't have any listings. No worries. You can ask uh, to put an 800home hotline sign writer or a standalone sign beside a normal for sale sign um, in other uh, listing agents' uh, lots. In a, in, you know, next to their for sale signs. Or, even better, you could ask to do a home brochure for them for free and um, in exchange for you providing that information, you know, maybe they're not doing home brochures now, it goes on a sign box, it goes on a sign, but all the buyer leads go to you through 800 Home Hotline. Why would a listing agent be willing to do this? Because you're going to pay them a referral fee. How can they hold it accountable to whether or not the buyer came from their um, they're signed or not, you know, how do they know they're actually getting paid? Because that's going to be what any listing agent will ask. Here's how. Now, here's what 800 Home Hotline does. This technology has been out for 20 years, but I think for a lot of agents, they still don't understand the power of it. A buyer is parked in front of one of your signs or another agent's sign, and the sign says, the writer says, for free 24-hour recorded info on this home, call 1-800-555-1212. You'd have your own extension, you know. Everyone has a unique extension. And then each listing would have its own extension. Uh, I'm sorry, everyone has their unique 800 number. And then each listing has its unique extension. So 800-555-1212, press 3429, okay? Then on the recording, you're going to have left a recording for the house. It's not going to be too long. You know, you're calling on this great two-bedroom, one-bath home or, you know, whatever it is. Five bedroom, five bath home, listed for two and a half million in the you know lovely whatever whatever whatever. Not too much information. And then you want to say the home is being offered in the mid two millions, or the house is being offered obviously whatever price range it is. Do a price range. Don't do an actual price because if the price gets adjusted downward, then you got to call the recording back in. Not a big deal, but it's just an efficiency thing. And the other thing about doing a price range, so a price range would be like. 100 to 130 would be low 100s. 130 to 160 would be mid 100s. 160 to 200 would be upper 100s. You guys get it? So the other thing that's nice about a price range is what happens next. So the, the recording goes on. The house is being offered in the mid 100s. Uh, to press zero now for your own private tour. You'll find that virtually nobody presses zero. It doesn't matter if they do or not because here's what happens. Instantaneously, oftentimes, while they're literally just hanging up the phone having listened to the recording, you're going to get an SMS of the phone number that they just called from. 70 to 80% of the time, uh, 800homehotline.com is able to capture the phone number and send you the phone number from where they just called from, their cell phone in this example, and tells you what extension they just dialed. So then you, you guys following me on all this? 
Someone's parked in front of a sign. They just called, listen to this brief recording on the house. Interest is peaked, right? They hang up their phone. And the next thing, ring, ring, their phone call is ringing, and it's you. And this is what you say. Hello, this is Tim Harris with ABC Realty. As a courtesy, when people call our 800 number, we like to give them a quick call back, see if they have any questions about the home they called about. Uh, and nine times out of ten, their reaction is going to be, really, a realtor is calling me back that fast? Now, in, so they're not, it's not going to be a negative response. It's going to be a very positive one. And because you gave them a price range and you didn't say whether the house was still for sale or was pending, they're going to ask, is it still for sale or what's the, you know, what's the actual price? And you're, you're going to say this. You know, that's a great house. Everybody's calling on that one. Give me a chance to look that one up in the computer so I can get you all the current information. And then, guys, listen, the next question is where the magic happens. I want you to roll immediately into asking this question. By the way, which house in the neighborhood are you thinking about selling? Okay? You guys get that? So right off the top, Mr. Seller, that's a terrific house, 123 Elm Street. Let me check in the computer to make sure it's still for sale um, and you know, make sure get the current price for you. By the way, which house in the neighborhood are you thinking about selling? That will get you listings. Um, I had a let, me, let me call. jump in here for a second, and, yeah. and I know what you're well, going to say, too, because I'm thinking yep. the same thing. The yep. huge difference that's made to our agents that do have incoming, what they used to think of as just buyer leads. Buyer leads are yep. listing leads in disguise, guys. Well, it, in, depending on your market and the price range, it, every single buyer call, and like, say, for example, a house that, I mean, Julie, in our own market, right, when we used to sell real estate, guys, we haven't sold real estate in, you know, 10 plus years, but... So like a move up house in New Albany, Ohio, where was our you know, primary market uh, towards the end of our careers, that market had a move up price range of, I would say, somewhere in the eights to maybe 1.2 million, somewhere in there. Anything less than that was probably somebody that was moving into the area or you know, something like that. It was essentially your quote unquote new New Albany buyer, first time home buyer type thing for New Albany. So if you took a listing and you had, say, a listing for 1.2 million, 99.9% chance that that buyer was going to be selling out of something that was going to be in the six to sevens. Uh, so you knew that most of the buyers in that partic- calling in that particular house were going to be also sellers. So by asking that question ahead of time, and I, Julie, I, the reason I'm so excited about this is because I had this exact coaching call. Um, mm-hmm. You know, essentially an agent's never used this before. Used it for the first time, followed the script, didn't change it said it exactly like I just told these guys to sell it and it happened say it and it happened and it was in Southern California too it happened just like um, we say it's going to happen the, the the person on the other end of the phone didn't know what to say uh, threw out a slight chuckle and said how did you know I'm thinking about selling my house and Julie he went out and took the listing that's awesome i love it yeah it turns <laughs> out we know what we're talking guys, about you know some of you guys make it too hard by just not asking simple questions. That's just a thought yeah. for some of you having that light bulb go off right now. Aha, I just need to ask that. Ah, interesting. So, you know, there are people who use one agent as a listing agent and another agent as a buyer's agent. That's not the client's fault. That's because you guys aren't asking the right questions. So number 15, point number 15, and this is something that's a little bit obscure depending on your market, uh, but BPOs, there are BPOs out there, and they're oftentimes ordered for non-distressed reasons. Sometimes BPOs are ordered because someone, and this is what we used to get a lot of when we sold real estate, we get a call from the local BPO agent, and there was always an agent, asking us about details on a recent sold comp we had, and then we would always say, <laughs> nicely of course, 
be more than happy to share with you all the information for your BPO. By the way, why is the seller that you're doing the BPO for selling? Aha. Uh-huh. We'd find about reloads. We'd find out about all kinds of advanced market information about possible listings. And then, of course, we'd go and solicit them. How about all of you who have done, who made your uh, money, who basically kept the lights on, and some of you did exceptionally well through the real estate crash doing BPOs? Whatever happened to all those BPOs that you did? Why don't you run the list of BPOs you did against property records and find out how many of those people have sold? But by the way, make sure when that happens, you're uh, standing in front of something uh, soft like a couch, because when you pass out to realize all the business you didn't get, I don't want you to hurt yourself as you fall backwards, right? All right, Julie, next one is point point number 16, property tax assessments. Okay, so property tax assessments. You guys can always offer, and many of our regular coaching clients do this, you offer comparative market analysis, free CMAs, and how-to information for helping uh, owners, many of them your past clients, but it doesn't have to be just your past clients, but offer information on how to get their property taxes reassessed. So keep in mind, when you're selling your house, you always want it to be worth a million billion dollars. But when you're paying your property tax, you don't want it to be worth a million billion dollars. So where do you come in? Well, you're going to provide CMAs, letting them know what it is worth in today's market. And there are, especially as things heat up and we enter this new quasi you know, resurgence slash boom, whatever we're going to be calling it this time around. But there are a lot of cities that are essentially right on that edge of over-reassessing. A lot of people are being surprised by their current tax bills that they're getting. Of course, all of you guys have different months that you get your property tax bills, but you can. this is a relevant point at any point in the year. So how does this lead you to more inventory? Well, you're going to be doing some free CMAs. So that's a great lead-in for asking the homeowner, by the way, what do you think about this price? Does this make you think about moving, staying? Help me understand your situation. It's a pretty easy script, and you're providing a service. Now, you don't have to do long, drawn-out, super detailed CMAs. You can give them a general range. You can ask them, you know, what was it reassessed at, and you know, look at your recent comps, and then that can lead to a more complicated CMA because some of you already have an objection saying, well, I don't have time to do a bunch of free CMAs. Well, you do if they're going to lead the listings, and some of those well, listings are also going to buy with you. Let's give them a real practical example. You're in a marketplace, and you have to know when property taxes are reassessed. Um, most people don't know that they can contest their property tax assessments, but you have a very limited window to do so. So the new assessments will come out, and it's usually based on differing percents of whatever they appraise the house at. And as Julie just alluded to, considering that most uh, you know states fund their school systems through property tax dollars, bet you didn't know that, um, they will oftentimes assess houses on the high side. We live in the great state of Texas. There is no uh, income taxes, but they absolutely positively make it up through, guess what, uh, property taxes. So we, in everyone else in Texas and everyone else around the country, you're, a new assessment will be issued. They'll use the highest possible comps to say your house is worth maybe more than, I mean, sometimes substantially more than market valuations. Sellers need to know that they can test that. It's relatively easy to do. Um, there's actually attorneys and law firms that made it, are making fortunes off uh, basically making deals with the owners that they'll charge you only the percent that they save off the tax bill. So if your tax bill was 5000 and they lower it to, say, 3000 then they get a certain percent of the taxes that they saved you. That's how they go about um, you know, charging. But 
the reassessment as Julie just said oftentimes only is uh, requiring a simple form to be filled out along with the owner submitting a CMA that you provide for them and that again to Julie's point is a conversation starter in the meantime you're doing a lot of great things for your local neighborhood creating a lot of great you know not just goodwill but great will with these guys because you're helping them to save money which of your centers of influence wouldn't want to call like that which of your neighbors wouldn't want to call like that get the point everybody would killer killer way to generate listing leads julie we're about out of time any other points you'd like to make to these guys that's right. So don't just choose one because it's super comfortable to you. You should be doing all of the above or close to all of the above, especially for all of your buyers. Remember, this started as a premise of how to find inventory for your buyers. But really, the byproduct of it is you're also going to find new listings for your listing inventory. So don't just do one or two things. If you're not doing most of this and your buyers know that you could be doing most of this, I wouldn't blame them if they went on to the next agent who is doing most of this. It just makes sense. And tell them. If you're serious. Yeah, and make sure you tell them because if you don't, they're, what do they assume? I always tease my coaching clients, Tim, when real estate clients haven't heard from you in a while, what do they assume you're up to? Do they think you're hard at work for them or do they think other thoughts? Yeah, exactly. So, guys, listen. Rem <laughs> remember, the year's already started. It's it, we're well into February at this point. Um, if you don't have your business plan together yet, honestly, at this point, what the heck are you waiting for? You, you wait another month or two. You guys know as well as I do, you probably have already lost the momentum or any of the prospect of building momentum for the rest of the year. Do the right thing and request a free coaching call immediately. Free coaching calls for agents.com. Free coaching calls for agents.com. One of our coaches will walk you through exactly where you're at right now in your business and what you have to be doing to get to your goals. And if you don't have any goals, we're going to help you set goals. It's all part of the free coaching calls for uh, freecoachingcalls.com. Um, it's all how the system works. It's our way of giving back to the real estate community. Let us help you uh, be part of this amazing real estate recovery. And guys, if there's anything we can ever do for you, obviously just visit us at timandjulieharris.com. Um, existing coaching students, join the new Facebook group. That is your homework. And in the meantime, everyone, please do as you've been doing and share this radio show with as many other agents as you can. We'll talk with you on the radio tomorrow. This program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris, Real Estate Coaching. For more information on our real estate coaching and training programs, visit our website at timandjulieharris.com. Remember to tune in weekdays at noon for upcoming shows. And until next time... Thank you for listening to Real Estate Coaching Radio with Tim and Julie Harris. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.